name is DC O'Rourke. Do you have a message for me to pass on to the living? Welcome back to Hauntingly Yours. I'm your host, DC O'Rourke, and I'm here to regale you with yet another haunted tale that I have pulled from the darkened archives of the world. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to Donnie and Christy Parker of Spirit Guides Paranormal for our last episode where we got together to chat about Fleetwood Church in Brandy Station, Virginia. Thank you so much, guys, for that. Much love. The Spirits of Brandy Station event we mentioned in that episode was nothing short of awesome, and all that attended had a great time, yours truly being one of them. Since the event, I was actually invited to join the ranks of Spirit Guides uh, team, uh, Spirit Guides Paranormal, that is, as a paranormal investigator, and I gladly accepted the invitation. I'm honored to be working with such a well-respected team in the field. I also have my own team, uh, Shadow Walkers Paranormal, that I will continue to work with as well that I started back in January of this year. Now, back to our adventure, shall we? What tale do I have for you guys? Hmm. Why don't you gather around and lend me your ears? For this episode, I decided to go digging and perusing through the files of none other than Ed and Lorraine Warren. I needed some inspiration, and I thought, what better place to look, right? I dug through all this stuff, and, you know, I came across Annabelle and, uh, you know, the nun and all the, all these wonderful things that, you know, we've seen in Hollywood movies, you know, from the, the Conjuring universe. And I said, I want to go for something more obscure, you know, forget Amityville, forget Annabelle. What did Ed and Lorraine investigate that no one really knows about that much? And I found one thing in particular that really stuck out, I guess you could say. But in order to tell that story, why don't we go back in time? Because this story is none other than the South End Werewolf. And it begins in Essex, England with Mr. Bill Ramsey. Now... Mr. Bill Ramsey, what can you say? He was a normal person. At first, born in 1943 in the small town of South End, located just within Essex, the first eight years of his life were quiet and normal. He was a normal boy with normal hobbies, 
Playing outside was his favorite pastime, and he would spend hours running around where he would let his vivid imagination be free. When Bill turned nine, his life as he knew it took a strange turn for the worse. One day he found himself playing in the garden behind his house when he began to feel very peculiar. A chilling wind swept across his body which seeped into his bones. The sun hung high in the sky and smiled down on him favorably. The warmth of that smile caressed his skin sweetly. This felt very off to him. It was out of place. His body began to sweat, but it just seemed to freeze the moment it attempted to roll away from him. Then to make matters worse, poor Bill was overtaken by a horrible stench that filled him with severe nausea to the point where he wanted to vomit. Later on, he would state, Have you ever walked into a meat locker right after you've been outside on a hot day? That's what this was like. What's even more strange than the physical symptoms that he presented were the psychological manifestations that had came along for the ride. Whatever this experience was, he wasn't sure, but it wanted to change him. His mind was filled with the carnal urge to get down on all fours and run for the ocean as fast as he could go. All the while, his mind conjured up images of wolves of all shapes and sizes. Something was amiss. The imaginative nine-year-old boy that he knew slipped into a trance that altered all that his very world had become. The child's parents picked up on the odd behavior right away. Ramsey's mother did everything that she possibly could to help her son break free from this trance that he was in, but nothing seemed to be effective. Honestly, it seemed like it made matters worse the more she tried. The images of wolves disappeared from his thoughts and were replaced by feelings of extreme rage. This seriously scared his folks. The adrenaline pumping through his veins as a result of the rage gave him what looked like supernatural strength. Strength that a nine-year-old boy should not be able to possess. He ran to the back garden and tore fence posts straight from the ground and swung them in the air like giant clubs. No matter how hard his parents tried to take control of the situation, it just didn't matter. Bill Ramsey's grip was just out of this world. They didn't wish to leave their son in such a, a vulnerable state while he had this frightening episode, but they felt helpless. Especially when Bill ripped metal wire from the fence and placed it in his mouth. His parents stared on, horrified, as he gnawed on it furious, furiously and growled like a, a rabid animal. By this point, they thought it best to lock themselves inside the house and wait it out. Safety first, after all. Sometime later, Bill finally calmed down and his parents allowed him access to the house again. Oh, their sweet son, what had taken a, a hold of him like that? His face and mouth were torn and scratched to pieces from where he had gnawed on the fence. They tended to his wounds, like the good parents that they were, of course. When Bill asked what exactly had happened, both mother and father replied, We will never speak of this again. 
Bill pushed the incident to the back of his mind and tried his best to move on with life. He never spoke of the matter to anyone. Before he knew it, 15 years of his life had flashed right before his eyes. He had gone from being a child to a man. He met a beautiful woman. He got married. Down the road, they would, they would end up having three beautiful children together. From all that we know, Bill was an excellent father. He spoiled his children. He, he enjoyed a, a prosperous career as a carpenter, and he took pride in his work. I think it's safe to say that our friend Bill Ramsey, well, he led a conventional life for many years. Not too long after his marriage had begun to blossom, nightmares would plague him on a regular basis. In these nightmares, he always chased after his wife like a predator after its prey. At the end of every one of these, his wife would always turn back to look at him with a horrified expression on her face. The stress of it would kick him awake every single time, and his body would be drenched in a cold sweat with his mind full of dread. There was only a few times where he swore he could even hear what sounded like a wild animal in the room afterwards, and it panted incessantly. In the end, he surmised the sounds were nothing to be afraid of as they were coming from his own vocal cords. The nightmares finally stopped, two years later. It was 1967 at this point, and Bill discovered his life had gone back to normal. Fifteen more years passed before his eyes until late one night in 1983, Bill agreed to go out to a local pub just for a bit of fun with a few friends. They shared a few laughs, played several hands of cards, and tossed back a few drinks. They even had, hadn't even been there all of an hour when a freakishly familiar feeling washed over him. That same god-awful feeling that had overtaken him when he was only nine years old, it had come back to pay him a visit. Why now? After all these years, why? An ice-cold chill took over his flesh suit. A dreadful stench filled his nostrils. Nausea settled deep within his bowels, and soon enough, Mr. Rage would come knocking. Bill did the only thing that made sense. He ran to the bathroom at the back of the pub to give himself a once-over in the mirror. When he finally got there, though, what he saw that stared back at him was not his own reflection, but that of a big, hungry, black wolf. He could feel himself losing control by the second. It was now or never. Bill immediately went back to his friends and convinced them that it was time to hit the road. His friends reluctantly agreed and all left the pub one by one to make their way to the car. During the drive, the black wolf took over and Bill growled deep from within his throat. He twisted his hands right before them as if they were claws. His friends just looked on with terror. They didn't know what to do. Bill cut his eyes and then attacked his fellow passengers, making every attempt to bite them. The driver of the car pulled over and everyone teamed together to try and remove Bill, but they couldn't pull it off. It wasn't that easy. He was much too strong. They all said that his strength was supernatural in that moment, and his rage was utterly terrifying. 
He was like a wild beast. They finally gained the advantage on him and pried him from the car without sustaining too much in the way of injuries. When asked about the event later on, Bill would claim that he had no recollection of the event ever taking place and extended sincere apologies to all that were involved. After this took place, all was well for about 18 months, until one day he checked himself into an emergency room for chest pains and the fact that he was sweating profusely. He couldn't help but think the worst case scenario, I'm having a heart attack. Once his initial examination began, the harshness of his reality settled in and he was soon under the realization that it was back. That ice cold chill, oh, it was, it was so familiar to him now. It was as if it had never left at all. The nurse who had come in to check Bill's blood pressure found herself being attacked by a deranged madman. The wolf completely took over him as he growled and sank his teeth in the nurse's right arm. She managed to fight him off somehow, and then he darted through the hospital with his hands out in front of him like claws, teeth bared, and a, and a hunched back to boot. Every step of the way, he snarled and growled at every person that he came into contact with. Why anyone tried this next bit, I couldn't begin to tell you. Several people tried to tackle him and restrain him until authorities could arrive, but they were unsuccessful. No surprise there, right? A police officer did show up at the scene and managed to get handcuffs on Bill, but he was simply too strong. He escaped and continued his, his wild rampage. There was no other choice. This man had to be taken down by any means necessary. Not only was he a danger to himself, he was a danger to others as well. Several staff members got involved, and thanks to their coordinated efforts, they were able to sedate the patient known as Bill Ramsey. They got him under control. Once he awoke from the sedation, he was back to his old self and felt like he didn't need to be at the hospital anymore. Against his doctor's advice, he checked himself out and went on about his life. When asked later about the incident, he had no re recollection of the matter at all. This time, only two months had passed. Bill returned to the same hospital for the same symptoms he had experienced not too terribly long ago. He was sweating, his chest hurt like hell, he was nauseous and couldn't control his thoughts. By now, people had begun, begun to refer to him as the South End Werewolf, courtesy of local newspaper The Sun, and his story had circulated the hospital more than once to the point where everyone on staff was afraid of dealing with him. The nurse on staff this particular day was fearful, and one can only imagine why. Within the first 10 minutes of being examined, Bill sprang from his gurney and attacked an innocent orderly. Thankfully, a small group of policemen happened to be in the hospital on another call when their assistance was asked for by the nursing staff. They did their best to intervene, but Bill put up one gnarly fight. 
He growled and slashed at the officers with his pretend claws and successfully injured one of the men so bad he was in the very hospital that they were at for four days after the incident had taken place. Bill Ramsey was arrested and taken to jail for that assault. Upon his release, he told those that he came into contact with that he had no recollection of the matter having ever taken place. Some time passed again. The year was now 1987. The South End Werewolf made an appearance once more at the police station this time. Bill had come upon a teenage prostitute and decided to declare a citizen's arrest. He threw her in his car and prepared to take her to the police himself. While they were driving, things, well, they took a rather dramatic turn when the prostitute watched as Bill allowed the wolf to take over. This forced him to growl and snarl like a maniac. The terrified girl jumped from the car while it was still moving and did not stop until she got to the police station. Bill Ramsey, who is now fuming with rage, followed right after her. As he entered the police station, he huffed and he puffed. Where is she? A rather burly police officer, Sergeant Terry Fisher, placed a gentle hand on one of Bill's forearms in an attempt to calm him down, but the werewolf retaliated without hesitation. He pounced on the officer, and the sergeant gave him a swift kick to the groin. That didn't stop him, and he came at the officer again. This time he took both of his hands, and he did his best to choke him to death. He proceeded to yell in his face, The devil is in me. When the devil is in me, I am strong. I am going to kill you. I am strong, and you are going to die. Other officers got involved, and Bill fought them all off. In the end, it took a dozen of them to sedate him with two injections. That was crazy. For the next ten days... Bill would be back in the hospital where he would have numerous MRIs, x-rays, and other psychiatric tests that would all prove to be unsuccessful in determining the cause of these violent episodes of his. There had to be an explanation for it, though. Nobody in their right mind would go from being completely mild-mannered and sane to being a rampaging maniac who took on the mannerisms of a werewolf. Noted demonologists... Ed and Lorraine Warren happened to be visiting London when they came across a, a television special one evening that focused on the case of the South End werewolf. Lorraine, she was immediately convinced that this poor man was being possessed. She got into contact with the South End on Sea police station and offered her and her husband's assistance. The police really didn't know what to make of the Warren's call at first. But after enough dialogue had been exchanged between both sides, the police agreed to set up a meet-and-greet between them and the Warrens. Finally, negotiations were made. They reached out to the Ramseys, and Bill reluctantly agreed to travel to Connecticut with the Warrens to their church to be treated by their own specialist, Bishop Robert McKenna. His episodes had been increasing not only in frequency, but also intensity. He knew he needed a special kind of aid. The year was now 1989. 
A tabloid newspaper, The People, helped sponsor the trip and bought the rights to Bill's story. An exorcism was the course of action to help Bill with this problem. The South End werewolf must have sensed the plan and took hold of him as he slept the night before it was about to happen. He tried to strangle his wife as he slept peacefully next to her. The next day it came and the Ramses, along with the Warrens, arrived for the exorcism at the Our Lady of the Rosary Chapel. Bill took a seat as he met Bishop Robert McKenna, and soon enough the help he so desperately sought was at hand. Six armed bodyguards with stun guns came out to protect McKenna, as he knew better than most that demons could easily defeat exorcists. Within the first 30 minutes, nothing happened. Bill thought it was all a crock of shit. A charade of some sort, a load of rubbish, one might say. He contemplated getting up and walking right out the front door. Then out of nowhere it hit him. An ice-cold chill blew across his body. A foul stench entered his nose. His ears pointed upright. Nausea kicked him repeatedly in the guts. It was here. Bill transformed and brought the characteristics of the werewolf out in the open. His hands curled as if they were claws. He cut his eyes and growled like the beast that was deep within. The bishop read various scriptures from the Bible and commanded the demon to leave. He anointed Bill Ramsey with holy water while doing so. For a moment, Bill's wife watched as her husband displayed these strange behaviors that she had come to know so well, and then all of a sudden they just stopped. Her husband fell over in a slump and went quiet. When he finally came to, Bill told Bishop McKenna for the first time in his life. He felt free. It seemed as if the demon had left. Did the exorcism really work? That is what we have to ask ourselves. One can only hope so. Was... Bill Ramsey possessed by the spirit of a demonic werewolf? The Warrens surely thought so. Bishop Robert McKenna surely thought so. Was this just a case of mental illness? I mean, lycanthropy, for example, um, a mental disorder in which the patient believes he or she is a wolf or some other non-human animal. I mean... We could be very well looking at something like that. Who's to really say? You be the judge. In 1992, Bill Ramsey made his last public appearance, in which he stated there had been no more incidents, and he felt 100% free of the wolf. It's been 29 years since that last appearance, and if we take it at face value... There's no evidence available to suggest that there have been any more uh, attacks. There are those who believe the exorcism worked, though. In case you got distracted at some point, allow me to just mention the fact that there were two different decade-long lulls in activity before. Perhaps the South End werewolf merely lies in wait. Hmm. I kid, of course. What will our gracious phantom bard come up with next? I guess you will just have to wait and listen to the next episode.
Guys and gals, places aren't the only things that can be haunted. People can. Objects and much more. Keep that in mind. I am afraid that is all I have for you, though. If you enjoyed this episode, which I hope you did, go check out the link tree for the show and follow along the show's social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all that fun stuff. The official link is L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E backslash hauntingly yours paranormal. I will also be sure to include um, this link in the show notes as well. Most importantly, don't forget to review and subscribe. Please and thank you. This helps other people like yourselves find the show and join our para family. Thank you so much, everyone. New episodes are coming your way real soon. Until next time, I am DC O'Rourke. I am and will remain, much like the spirits, hauntingly yours. Thank you.